So I'm calling this message today, prepare for courage. Prepare for courage. In this passage that we just read, we, we, we see the, the imagery that Paul is, is showing us, right? We, we see that Paul is describing to us that in this life, there is a battle going on all around us, right? There is a battle going on and it's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's not a battle that you can see with your eyes, no, but there is something that you need to know that, that is going on in the spiritual realm all around you, a battle for your eternal soul, right? A, a, a battle for, for, your, for your attitude, a, a battle that is going on in the spiritual realm. We can see the effects of this battle. Don't make any mistake about that, right? We, we, can see, we can see the effects of this battle. We can see uh, abortion. We can see selfishness. We can see greed. We can see murder. We can see racial tension. We can see um, uh, adultery, right? We can see many of the effects of this battle, the spiritual battle that's going on, right? But we can't see the battle. But Paul wants us to know that it is still going on whether you, you see it or not. The battle is going on in your life right now as we speak. And, and, and eight times, I thought this was interesting, eight times in this passage, Paul uses words that are synonymous with the idea of courage, right? He says, be strong in the Lord, right? Stand, stand against, stand firm, withstand the enemy attack, right? He says, speak boldly, proclaim boldly, right? These are words that, that, that have to do with the idea of courage, right? You can't withstand an attack from the enemy if you don't have courage, you, you, can't, you can't speak truth boldly into a culture of lies if you don't have courage. It takes courage. And so what Paul is, is showing us here is if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you claim to believe in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you better be prepared to live a courageous life. We gotta be prepared to live a courageous life. And, and I really believe that there's really only two options of how you're going to live your life. Really, there's only two options. Either you're going to live courageously or you're gonna live cowardly. And there is no in between. You know, anyone that says, well, I might not be courageous, but I'm not cowardly either. I'm kind of in between. No, no, let me tell you something. Anybody that's in between, you know what in between means? It means you stand for nothing, right? So again, that's cowardly. Right? So there's only two options. You either are going to live courageously or you're going to have a life where you live cowardly. And, and Paul shows us, he describes to us what it looks like to live a courageous life, right? He says a courageous life is standing firm in that evil day, right? It's, it's, it's standing firm against attacks that the enemy may throw at you, uh, attacks that may be at your family's health or anything else. It's standing firm in those times. It's, it's speaking truth boldly. Even if culture is trying to fill your head full of lies, you proclaim boldly the truth. It's, it's standing firm and withstanding and, and standing on the, the biblical values and moral values that you know that God has set out for you, even if it will cost you something in this world because you know that this is not your home, that your home is in eternity and you are storing up treasures up there where neither rust nor moths nor thieves can steal it. That's what it means to live courageously. But what, what does it look like to live cowardly? Living a coward life looks like trusting in things of this world instead of trusting in the Lord. Living cowardly is trading truth for lies. 
It's going along with whatever culture tells you to go along with because you care more about your reputation and what people think about you than what God thinks about you. It's doing everything you can to, to hold on to and to cling on to your idols in your life, whatever, whether that be a financial situation, whether that be a career position, whether that be a, a bank account. It's, it's, you'll do anything you can to make sure you hold on to those things because you, you care more about that than you do about what God says. That's what it means to live cowardly. That you'll give up whatever it takes. You'll do whatever people tell you to do if it'll keep you safe, quote unquote. But how many people know that, and this is the detriment of living cowardly, how many people know that everything on this earth is temporary? Right? I mean, the great philosopher Denzel Washington once said, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You ain't taking it with you, right? But even, even, even before death, even on this earth, you can do anything you want to do to try to keep your family safe, to keep everything safe. But how many people know you can do everything the world tells you to do and sickness can still come in and rampage your family and rip it apart? How many people know that you can, you can go along with what anyone tells you to do, you can give up anything that, that, that God has said to try to hold on to your position, to hold on to your job, but the economy can change in an instant, inflation can go out of control, and you can be laid off tomorrow and lose everything that you've worked for all these last 20 years. And if you live like that, what's gonna happen in your life when you lose everything that you've been trying to hold on to? You're gonna fall apart. You're gonna be wiped out. It's going to be over. And so I was thinking about how to say this to you guys today in the, I'll be honest, in the nicest way possible. I didn't want to get people mad at me. But honestly, what it comes down to is I got to say what God's word says. So even if it doesn't sound nice, I got to say it. So I'm going to just be blunt with you guys. Reading the Bible, I'm going to tell you the truth. God hates a coward. There's no other way I can say that. God hates a coward. Revelations 21.8 says, but the cowardly, the unbeliever, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will be co-signed to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. God wrote that, I didn't. And I'll be honest with you guys, I've read that verse before, and I knew that that verse said murderers were going to hell. Like I knew that verse said the sexually immoral, the, 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 uh, the unbelievers. I knew that those people God has, God has mentioned were going to hell. But I'll be honest with you guys. It wasn't until I studied this that I realized that the, the person that leads the list of that group is the cowardly. There ain't, there's not a coincidence that God puts the cowardly first on that list. And I think we all do this sometimes. We all do this. We, 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 we're easy to call out other people's sins. We're easy to notice sins that we don't struggle with ourselves, right? Sexual immorality, sexual immorality, maybe murder, maybe liars, maybe you don't lie. So it's easy for you to call that out people. But it is hard for us to look and see the sins that we struggle with. Amen. Cowardly. Man, it's tough. It's tough to live courageously right now. But I'll be honest with you guys, every time I look through the Bible, I see forefathers in the faith that struggled with a lot of things. They struggled with sexual immorality. Some of them struggled with murder, 
right? They struggled with, with adultery. They struggled with a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you something. One thing that I can't find any of these forefathers in the faith struggle with in the Bible is courage. They didn't. I mean, I mean, Moses walks into the, the courts of Pharaoh. I mean, of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was thought of as God on earth at that time, right? He had the most mighty army in earth. And Pharaoh walks right into those courts, goes right to his face and says, let my people go. That ain't a coward. David, David, a little shepherd boy, walks up to giant of the Philistine giant Goliath, a, a man that nobody in Israel would ever dare to stand up against. And he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord wasn't a coward. Elijah. Elijah stands there all by himself in front of 300 prophets of Baal and says, you build an altar, I'll build one too. And you call down fire from heaven from your God and I'll do the same. And we'll see whose God is the one true God. Yes. Not a coward. Yes. Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day after there was a mandate that said that he wasn't allowed to pray, but he didn't pray in his little, underneath his bed hiding. He went right in front of the window where everyone could see him. And he prayed three times a day to the point where they threw him into a, a lion's den and God rescued him out of that. Yes. Wasn't a coward. And even the apostle Paul that's, that's writing this right now, he's writing this from prison while he's in chains for preaching the gospel. And now he's writing the inspired word of God. He's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been chased out of cities. He wasn't a coward. He had courage. And so what I'm trying to say is, if you claim to believe in Christ, you must be prepared to live a courageous life. I'm gonna keep saying that, because it's the truth. <clears throat> and what the Apostle Paul shows us in this passage is that you cannot live courageously on your own strength. So don't get that twisted. Right, right at the beginning of the passage, it says, be strong in the Lord, right? It's not your strength. Be strong in God's strength. What he's saying is, is listen, if you're going to live this life courageously, if you're gonna live this God's way, then let me tell you something. You're gonna need God's resources to live it. You're gonna need his strength to live this life. It's his, not ours. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna go over with you guys Three main resources that God gives us in order to live this life and prepare to live courageously. So here, here's the first one. He identifies our enemy. God identifies our enemy for us. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What is he saying? He's saying that your enemy is in the spiritual realm, not in the flesh, right? That's key because you cannot live, you cannot go into a battle not knowing your enemy and think you're gonna be courageous, right? I mean, if you don't know who your enemy is, you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know what they have, how are you supposed to stand there and be courageous? You're gonna be weak. And so the Lord identifies our enemy force. He says, listen, your enemy is not the mainstream media. It's not those people in Washington, D.C. I know that's hard to think, but it's not. Your enemy is actually in the spiritual realm who controls those people. 
See, and this is the reason why sometimes we don't understand why people can do these ridiculous things, why they can say these ridiculous things, why they can stand for this foolishness and lies that we see all around the world. We're like, how do people do this? How can they think that that's okay? I'll tell you why, why it seems so weird to us. Because we have victory in Christ Jesus over that. So now the enemy has no control over you if you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has already died on the cross, rose again. He has death, hell, and the grave in his hand, right? We have victory now over that, so the enemy cannot control you anymore. So when you look at, at, out at all these other people in this world, it confuses you because you're not the same as them. They're still under the control of the enemy. And so we have to understand that our enemy is not people. It's the spiritual realm. It's the forces of evil that are behind what's controlling the people. And that is who we go to battle against, the spiritual realm. And so the second resource that God gives us, and this is gonna be a little longer because I'm gonna have to break this one down. So there might be an A, B, C, D, and E on this one. <clears throat> but the second resource is this. He gives us his armor. God gives us his armor. Excuse me for a second, I gotta take another drink. God gives us his armor. <clears throat> In this passage, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. That word whole armor in the, in the Greek is panoplia. Panoplia means, means the entirety. It means the, the, the complete equipment of a fully armed soldier. That's what it means, right? So what Paul is saying is you need to put on the entire armor of God, not just one piece, not just two or three things of it, not just pick and choose what's easy for you to do and the other stuff, well, it's a little hard, so I ain't gonna use that. No, no, no. If you're gonna be courageous in this life, you need to be prepared to put on the entire armor of God, God's resource that he's given you. Amen. The entire armor. And so verse 14, here, here's the first piece that he gives us. He says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness. What's Paul saying? He's saying the church's basic equipment in this spiritual battle is integrity and righteous living. That's our basic equipment because integrity and righteous living, it bears the stamp of Jesus that you are a new creation through him. The rest of the world looks at you and they see Christ in your life through that. And, and Paul, when he's writing this, he's referring back to the virtues that Isaiah describes when Isaiah is describing Jesus back in the Old Testament. In Isaiah eleven five, 5, Isaiah says, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment, right? So, so what Paul's doing is he's saying, listen, this is how, these are the virtues that Jesus has, and I want you to be like Christ in your life, because that's going to show the world who you serve, you serve Jesus, right? And so we are called to live a life of integrity and righteousness. Let's be honest. You, you can't live courageously if you don't have integrity. If you're in here today and you're keeping secrets from your spouse right now, let me tell you, you are weak. You're not courageous. If you want to live courageous, you've got to have integrity in your life. And, and, and how you live really shows what you believe. I'm going to say that again because that was pretty good. How you live shows what you believe, what you truly believe. 
right? Like, you can say that you believe you need to lose weight, but if you're buying three bags of leftover Halloween candy and eating all of them, do you really believe that you really need to lose weight? Right? I mean, you can say that you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and that billions of people are going to hell for eternity. But if you truly, truly believe that, then man, your life would reflect that. And you would be out there telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our lives will, will, will reflect what we truly believe. Here's the other thing with that though too. The imagery that Paul is showing us with the, with the breastplate, Right? When the Roman soldiers of Paul's time in the early New Testament would put on the breastplate, the breastplate was, was made to, to protect the vital organs of the soldier, specifically the heart. So here's a question for you. What are you doing to protect your heart? How are you guarding your heart right now? I mean, is eight hours of squid games really guarding your heart? I probably shouldn't use that example. I might have checked it out once or twice. <laughs> but seriously, we all got to think about that. Like, is six hours a day of political talk and political podcasts and listening to all the crises around the world really guarding your heart? Because I'll be honest with you guys, I've listened to political podcasts before. I've listened to all this stuff and, and, and want to stay up to date with everything that's going on. And all it honestly does is bring anger into my heart. And it's not a righteous anger, let me tell you that. It's an anger towards people, which is not where our battle is. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't stay up to date on what's going on in the world. That's fine. But I don't think we were made for four or five hours of political debriefing. You know? Here, I'll put a shout out to Tim's podcast. There you go. One hour a week. He kind of goes over all the big news of the, of the week and you're, and you're done. There you go. He's going to thank me for that one. You know? But we need to... We need to protect our heart. We need to protect our heart. Here, here's the, the second piece of armor. <clears throat> Verse 15 says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul's now describing the shoes that the soldiers wore in battle. And, and in that time, the Roman soldiers were actually known to put, to put nails in the, in the soles of their shoes. They would put nails in the soles of their shoes so that when the enemy would attack their flank and attack the, the line, they could hold their charge. They could hold their grip into the ground. Those nails would dig in and give them a firm footing, a firm foundation. And this is what I want you to, to write down is the gospel gives us a firm footing. The gospel gives us a firm footing. See, just as the soldiers needed a firm footing against the enemy, as followers of Jesus, if we're going to live courageously, we need to have a firm footing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have a deep understanding of, of the gospel, of what Christ did for you on the cross. And when I was putting this, this specific um, section together right here, this specific point, I was, I was thinking about some of my brothers and sisters who have been Christians and and followers in the faith for many years. Because I think as, as, as long-time believers, sometimes we can lose track of this. Sometimes as long-time believers, we can, I don't want to say forget, but we can almost take the gospel for granted. We can start to almost become almost a little too theological, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to 
dig deeper and go more spiritual. I think that's good. But, but sometimes we can get caught up with this idea of like, I got to know all the little nuances and all the gray areas that no one else can agree on in the Bible. I got to know, is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? I got to know where's the seven seals? Are the seven bowls of wrath getting poured out now or later? Is it already happening? Like what's going on, right? And we start to get into this thing where we get so theological that we, that we lose our, our excitement for the gospel. I mean, we all know anyone who's came to surrender their life to Jesus, you know what it feels like in that moment of salvation. There is a joy that overcomes you that you can't even explain to people. There's an excitement knowing that you just went from being a wretched man to now, to now, to now cleansed by the blood of Jesus and now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's something exciting about that. And in those beginning stages of when God is sanctifying you and when he's transforming you, it's like you can't get enough of the gospel. You want to tell every single person what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so we just have to be careful, even if you're somebody in here that's been a believer for many years, we have to be careful to make sure we still meditate on what Christ did for us. Stop and think about that some days. That God in his mercy and grace loved me enough, a wretched man like me, that he would send his only begotten son to take my sins and my punishment that I deserved so that I could be in community with him for eternity. The gospels are firm footing. Here's verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So now Paul's showing us an imagery of, uh, of a shield, a Roman shield, which was a, a door-shaped shield. And, and the shield was used by the, by the Roman soldiers to deflect any of, the, any of the enemy's darts and arrows that would be shot at them in battle, right? It was used to deflect those, those, those shots so to, to keep them from burning and, and getting on fire. And, and, and what, this, what Paul is trying to show us here is that we need to have a strong faith in the Lord. And, and not just a strong faith, but a full surrender and a full dependence on God for everything in our life. Not just the big things, not just when we're thinking about moving or not, so now we're going to pray to the Lord and ask him his opinion. No, with everything in your life, do you depend on God? Right down to the little things. <clears throat> some of you, some of you have been praying and asking God to, to, to grow your business. But maybe the reason why God hasn't grown your business today is because he's still waiting for you to trust him with the small business he's given you. Yes. Maybe some of you guys want the Lord to grow your family. Well, how is he gonna grow your family if you haven't trusted and fully surrendered over the children that he's given you, the wife that he's given you? Or if you're single, how is he gonna trust you with a mate if you haven't trusted him with your own life yet? We need to have a full surrender and dependence on the Lord. And this is the point I put down here. I said, our faith and dependence on the Lord coupled with others' faith and dependence deflects any attack. And what I mean by that when I say coupled with others' faith and dependence is the shield that the Roman soldier would carry had a hook on it. And that hook was used so that a Roman soldier could attach his shield to somebody else's shield right beside him. So in the heat of battle, when the darts are flying at him 
and the enemy is attacking, if he started to grow weary, if he started to grow tired, if he started to almost let his shield down because it was just getting too heavy, his brother in arms could hold his shield up for him and help him out. So my question for you today is, are you connected with another brother and sister in Christ? Are you connected in small groups with another brother and sister in Christ? Are you doing battle with anyone else in your life? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you haven't been attacked much yet, you will be getting attacked. And the more faithful you are to the Lord, the more courageous you live your life, let me tell you, those arrows are gonna come in faster than they ever did before. Because now you're even more of a threat of the enemy. And that's the way it should be. When you roll over in bed in the morning, every demon in this area should get a migraine headache. That's what should happen. But you need people that you are connected to because there's gonna come times in your life when your faith is gonna waver a little bit, when it's gonna be hard to keep up the dependence on the Lord and you're gonna start to almost give up. You're gonna start to almost get distracted and you're gonna start to think, I just gotta let my shield down. I can't do this anymore. And that's when one of your brothers and sisters in Christ comes alongside you, that's connected to you, is gonna encourage you. They're gonna uplift you. They're gonna say, don't allow the enemy to rob you of your peace because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. They're gonna say, don't allow him to take your joy because in him is the fullness of joy. They're going to encourage you and uplift you during those times. So do you have a full dependence on the Lord? Have you picked up your shield of faith? And are you connected? Are you connected with serving in this church, serving your brothers and sisters? There's no better way to get connected than that than to lay down your wants and needs for your brothers. Here's the last verse for this. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <clears throat> Let's talk about that helmet of salvation first. What Paul is saying here there, and I want you to write this down, is we have to have a complete confidence and assurance of our union with Christ. See, the helmet is made to protect your head, right? And that's where the enemy loves to attack. He loves to start putting thoughts in your mind of look at you, you messed up again. You're not really saved. You're not really following the Lord. You're not fully surrendered to God. Look at you, you're pathetic. And if we're going to be courageous in this life, we have to stop allowing the enemy to put those footholds in our life. We have to start having a, a, an, an assurance and a confidence that we know no matter what, we are saved by grace and not by our works. So it doesn't matter what the enemy says to me. Yeah, I remember being younger and being new in the faith when I was a kid, and I must have got saved 150 times. I mean, I raised my hand every single week. Every week. I was never sure if I was saved. And, and you know what? That's okay for a season when you're on milk. But when you start to move up to, to meat and you start to grow in your faith, man, this is something that you can't afford to be lacking in. When you're trying to advance the gospel, when you're trying to live courageously through health issues in your family, through troubles at your job, you can't afford to be still sitting here wondering if you're saved or not. You have to have an assurance that says, you know what? Christ is my Lord, and it was nothing that I did, but it was what he did in my life. So I don't care about anything else. Amen. And then 
the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is the last part of the armor. We, at, we attack the enemy's lies with God's word. This is the only part of the armor that's actually an uh, attacking tool. All those other pieces of the armor that Paul describes were for defense. They were to stand firm. They were to stand your ground when the enemy comes at you. Now this, the word of God, this is where we attack. This is where we can attack lies and deception and false teaching with truth. But I'm not saying that this weapon should be wielded to attack people. Because don't forget, Paul said that our battle is not against people. It's against principalities. Right? And this is the gospel of peace. So we're not made to use this Bible to smash people over the heads with it. That's not what this, yes, we speak truth into people's lives. Yes, we can, yes, we, we, we call out sin because we love people, but we're not using this to come at them with anger and aggression. We love them. And so this word of God, man, this is our, our weapon to come at the enemy when he starts to speak lies into our life, when he starts to tell us that we're nothing, when he starts to tell us that, that, that we failed, when he starts to tell us that our family's going under and, and, and we should just give in. This is the moment that we're supposed to look at the devil and use God's words and God's promises to tell the devil that, listen, this glory is not yours, it's God's. This kingdom is not yours, it's God's. This world is not yours, it's God's. This strength is not yours, it's God's. I can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can think or imagine because of him. He can defeat the giants before me. When you try to destroy me, devil, he can make it into a sidewalk to save me. If I grow weary, he can make me run like Elijah, 40 miles ahead of the chariots. He's the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. He's the conqueror of Calvary. He's the conqueror of powers and principalities. And he's coming again with power and glory. So I don't care about what you think. I want this world. I don't want this. I want Jesus. That's what it looks like. And so we use this. We use this to speak truth and to attack the enemy's strongholds. Here's the last thing. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 18 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is your last and final resource in this passage that God gives you. He gives, you, he gives us open communication to him. Prayer. But, but before I even talk about prayer, let me talk about that first that first thing that Paul says, he says, keep alert. Keep alert. What Paul is saying is, is listen, brothers and sisters. Listen, warriors of the cross, followers of Jesus. Don't get distracted. Don't let your guard down. Don't get comfortable in this world. Right? I, I said this a couple a couple sermons ago, and I, I'm coining the phrase, so I love it. Now I'm going to use it all the time. Comfort is the counterfeit currency of heaven. It's the counterfeit currency of heaven. There's nothing in the Bible where Jesus tells us that we are called to be comfortable in this life. 
Now, that's not saying that you can't have comforts in your life. That's not saying you can't have good things in your life. That's not saying God's not gonna bless you with things in your life, right? But what it's saying is, is your goal should not be comfort in this life. Matter of fact, Jesus said himself, he said, unless you're willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you're not, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Like, are you willing to give up everything for him? That's not saying that you're not gonna have some comforts in life, but what it's saying is, is your goal should not be that. Because that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you to start falling into this trap where all you rely on, all you chase after is comfort because it's those times that you start to let your guard down. You start to become weak. You start to become distracted. You start to, to take detours off the path and that's when he can attack you and he knows that you will not be effective for the kingdom if you're worried about comfort. So he says, stay alert. Stay alert. But then he also says, Paul says, pray. And not just pray, he's very specific. He says, pray supplication for all the saints. He says, pray for each other. This, this battle is not won on your own. We can't do this on our own. Right? Anyone knows if you're going against an army and you're all by yourself, you are weak. So Paul says, man, it is important to use, use this resource that God gave us, which is prayer. You get to come into the throne room of the Father and he hears your prayers if you are in Christ Jesus. Because when you enter his throne room in prayer, God doesn't see you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's amazing. You know, I talked earlier, <clears throat> I talked earlier about how this was a long season for me with sickness and everything. You know, I, I got COVID back in March. <clears throat> and, uh, and it was tough. Anyone that's got it probably knows it was tough. But I'd say the toughest thing about it was, it was probably one of the most loneliest times of my life. Especially living alone. It was two weeks of nobody able to come visit me, being all by myself, all, all alone my thoughts, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like being alone with my thoughts many times. And it was some of the darkest times of my life, I'll be honest with you, I was so discouraged. You know, on top of that, you're sick. And then it was like right when I was getting over the COVID, I was starting to feel a little better, all of a sudden, I'm in the hospital and I find out I have a pulmonary embolism. That the whole time I had COVID, it had thickened my blood and I had a, let a blood clot go for two weeks from my leg all the way up through my heart into my lung. And this is the reason why I wasn't able to breathe. And so then after weeks of being home all by myself, now I'm in the hospital for another week. And so anybody that's been to the hospital knows it's kind of lonely there too because they don't let anybody come see you. And so it was just one of the toughest times of my life. And I remember... And I'll admit this, I remember being so discouraged, being so discouraged at the beginning of it. I mean, I started falling into a depression. I started questioning, God, why? Why is this happening? Is my life gonna be different now? Am I not gonna be able to breathe the same way ever again? Am I not gonna be able to run? Because I like to run and do things. Like, and I started almost doing this blaming thing. And it was one of the worst times of my life. But I remember it was sometime around the second day in the hospital that all of a sudden something shifted in my attitude. 
something shifted where I remember like in that moment, I felt the joy of the Lord in my life. It was like in that moment, God met me right there in the hospital and reassured me. And I honestly just remember thinking to myself, you know what, Lord? I've lived 31, 30 something years in this life, 30, 36 years in this life. Like, I don't deserve 36 years. So thank you. Whatever happens from here, it's in your hands. I'm just thankful just to be here right now. And I thought about it and I thought about what changed, what changed for that to happen? Sure, you could say some of it was my faith, but I'm telling you the reason why I really believe that God met me right there in that hospital bed was because there was brothers and sisters in this body, in this church that were praying for me daily. Like, I can't tell you how many messages I got from people telling me that they were going to battle for me, that they were praying against what the enemy meant for evil, that God was gonna use it for good. It was because of you guys. It was because of brothers and sisters that went into communion with God and prayed on my behalf. Prayer is so important. I don't wanna make that as like a separate thing from the armor. Yes, it's separate from the armor. It's just as important as the armor, prayer. I'll, I'll finish with this and then we can finish. There was an old preacher that once said, and I love this saying, he said, when you go to bed at night, you should put your shoes underneath your bed. So then every morning when you wake up, you have to get on your knees to grab them. And while you're down there, thank God that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. Can everybody stand with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. <clears throat> I'm gonna close right now, but I really believe, I really believe that when God gave me this message, he wanted to speak to some people in this room today. Maybe you're here right now and you've been struggling with living cowardly. But maybe it's because you've never known Jesus or maybe you've known him, you've heard of him, but you've never truly surrendered your life fully to him and made him king and Lord of your life. <clears throat> 